Hello and welcome to Stand and Deliver, a JoJo podcast. This week, we discuss episodes 30 through 33 of season 2. There's a road I know I must go Even though I tell myself that road is closed Okay, so if you had to have any type of cockroach, what would you have? Uh, I would say probably just like standard variety roach. I don't know, I'm not hey. a roach expert. Wrong. I, so I would have agreed with you until just a few minutes ago. Uh, I was getting bugged by the fact that uh, where I live, I got cockroaches on my uh, doorstep all the time, but I don't really see them anywhere else. And uh, I saw a pretty fucking big one on the other side of the doorstep past my threshold when I came in and it was dead. But I was still like, oh, this is a this is a big, big cockroach. So I, I picked it up and I chucked it. But I, I noticed that the color the, the coloration was lighter than the American cockroach. So I got kind of curious thinking like, oh, no, it's not a German roach or something. I hope uh, it is a Turkestan cockroach. Okay. Which uh, are apparently very common where I'm at. Um, out of all the roaches to have near your vicinity, probably the best ones because they are primarily outdoor-based roaches. They don't often go inside. Okay. So I had a mini freakout where I was thinking that I had a German cockroach because they look a lot like those except really, really big. And uh, while all this was going on, I also had like a three-inch long big fat green caterpillar just wandering around outside of my door and it was pissed like i had to move it and it started like thrashing and whipping around i was like i don't want any of this man you got an aggressive caterpillar an aggressive caterpillar this caterpillar was po'd and so when i went back outside to see if there were any more roaches i was like looking for the caterpillar because it was crawling up like the frame of my door and i don't know where it went just went off to like break some windows (laughs) throwing bricks into cars yeah tossing trash cans around (laughs) the fucked up thing is i was only inside for like not even three minutes before i went back out and this thing was just gone i don't know where it went Somewhere it's just spray painting the metamorphosis is coming on the side of a building. <laughs> El Caterpillar was here. Sure. Right. <sighs> well, so I'm worried that it's going like it somehow gets inside and then I'm just going to wake up one day with this gigantic moth just flying around my room or something. I'm I get ah, freaked out about it'll, really dumb it'll be stuff. Fine. Uh, this is Stand and Deliver, everyone's favorite straight Shoda enthusiast podcast. Wait, what? No. Um, well, look, you saw the episodes that we saw. You know what's going on. Uh, okay, here's the question. Just start start this off with a banger. Does if it I count... had to have one type of Shoda, what type would I have? Well, let no. me tell you about the Turkestan Shoda. No, well, if. Does it actually count as straight Shota if it's a guy that was turned into a kid? Yeah. 
that, that would that be part does. that if we're talking about fetishes that would rope into the age regression fetish which is basically just a a way that people try to justify being into some real nasty shit. Oh, uh, well, yeah, Polnareff's actually about 5,000 years old. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm Larry Davis. Uh, I've My mind has been rotted by anime. With me is George Brundle, also mind-rotted by anime. Yeah, uh, I might have argued with someone about an anime video game earlier today, so I am... Far gone. Who? So, video game thing. I I sent you. I maybe said oh, some spirited right. things about a series of games called Sinran Kagura, and apparently that's a surefire way to piss off some people on the internet. That's right. I I forgot that you sent me all of that. <laughs> yes, I sent you a big wall. Of, well, you've been you have been sending me your own uh, video game based arguments recently, so I sure. thought that I would share one of mine. Yeah, okay. Uh, so this week we watched episodes 30 through 33, which are Bestet's Mariah, part 1 through Sets Alessi, part 2. Let's kick things off with Bestet's Mariah. What happens? Yeah, tell me. You have uh, to tell me, because I didn't want to watch these. You don't want to watch the Mariah episodes? Well... Yes, okay, I did. They're, they're, I, look, I totally understand not wanting to watch the Alessi ones, because those probably like put you on a list. But the Maria ones are great. Yeah, I know. Uh, we we open up, uh, we check in on Kakuin, uh, and he's being transferred to the Speedwagon Foundation's care. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. Because... And then he never shows up again for these four episodes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, like, a little bit after that, too. So, yeah. Um... But they're, the doctor's just like, yeah, I hate to break it to you, but you're going to be in here for months. Just kidding. These weirdos from the Speedwagon Institute showed up and, like, they work magic. So you're probably going to have your eyesight back at a really convenient point in time. It's just a nice little joshing for him. Yeah. I love it when the doctor jokes about whether or not I'll be able to see you again. Uh, and uh, we then join the rest of the gang, who is now uh, they're they're in Cairo. So we're finally in Cairo, and uh, like by this point, the whole history lesson thing is actually starting to wear like super thin on me. Because mm-hmm. I it's did not bother short. to take it is, but I did not bother to take any notes other than Polnareff turns directly into the camera and says, "This place is pretty historical." Yeah. Uh, but uh, Joseph and Iggy, uh, meanwhile, are off in the desert and they're looking for a toilet. And they find like an outhouse that is just like a hole in the ground with a couple of dried turds in it that are like <laughs> flaking into dust in the wind. Yeah. And Joseph is like, oh, I get it. It uses wind instead of water. Uh-huh. All, all we are is turds in the wind. And, like, there's there's a can of sand, and he's just like, oh, I'm supposed to wipe my butt with the sand. And then the narrator is like, sand is very sanitary. Yeah, de- desert sand is sterile. Yes. So Desert sand is sterile. I still, and oh, boy. <laughs> I still don't know, like, 
practically how you wipe your ass with sand without it just like I don't know. I mean at that point I, it's you know sandpaper exists. It's called that for a reason. I don't Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, Joseph's got the right idea of just like holding it in and finding a hotel. Uh worse comes to worse. I don't know what I would do, man. Like I don't want to wipe my butt with sand that seems like the sand would go through my fingers and then like I get yeah. stuff on my hand that I don't want on my hand. I don't know. Like in an emergency, I would probably just dump out there somewhere, but I would not use sand. I would just in an like, emergency. I don't know. I'll wait till I get somewhere with actual toilet paper and then uh, yes. do some cleanup. Uh, no. So if in an emergency like that, I would wipe my butt with my underwear and I would just throw the underwear out and I would just go Indian until I could get a new pair. Go Indian. Yeah. Okay. I've never heard we're that a very one progressive, We're a very progressive podcast. It's making me feel very self-conscious. <laughs> You've never heard about that, going Indian no. underwear? No. I've heard of going commando or freeballing. Oh, okay. Well, look, I was, uh, I'm from a different generation. I was raised on going Indian. You're, you were the writer of those Shazam comics that got canceled? <laughs> I'm very upset about it. Oh boy! They had an issue with the way that I drew Chinese people. Well, yeah, I mean, you based them <laughs> off uh, Mickey Rooney and Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> Up to that point, was the only Chinese person I ever saw. I believe it. <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah, so we get, like, a few good oh-my-gods from Joseph here, and then when he's just sort of decided, like, I'm not, like, I'm going to hold it in. He sees a rock with an electrical outlet affixed to the rock, and so he does what anyone would do in this situation and decides to touch the electrical outlet, which electrocutes him and sends his ass flying backwards. Yeah. Curiosity killed the Joseph. Oh, no. That's right, he's dead now. And then Avol, uh, Avdol shows up and he's like, is not messing around. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Except those, like, uh, half a season where he was supposedly dead. Yeah. Hmm. <sighs> yeah, anyway, uh... the outlet is actually a stand. Oh no! But it belongs to Maria. Mariah. And she says, yes, Mariah, I'm sorry. It's like Mariah Carey, you get it? Yeah, it's like Maria Carey. You get it? It's like this famous musician, you get it? It's really weird to think that Mariah Carey was active at the same time this series was going. You know? Yeah, I I guess. Uh, I don't know precisely when, like, part three was being published. It was like... Late 80s, early 90s. Oh, and so okay. that that would fit because her first album was probably like 90, 91. But mm. it's still weird because I don't know. I always associate Mariah Carey with like glitter or something. So like late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I, I agree. Anything that I kind of know about Mariah Carey is probably more from like, you know, late 90s. Yeah. Not that I know particularly much about her, uh, but you know, this she's Mariah... apparently a huge asshole, <laughs> just like this Mariah. Yeah. yeah, that is true. This is actually a very accurate representation, then. 
Yeah, kind of. Uh, but yeah, she's she said they're saying uh, men always touch things that they shouldn't. Uh, so it was like bait to see how dumb Joseph is, uh, which is very. Oh yeah, I mean, you don't really need to do any tests to find that out. <laughs> no, not at all. I, I still just like that this dude's first reaction to seeing an outlet on a rock in the middle of the desert is, oh, I guess I better touch that. Honestly, his stupidity here is eclipsed by Jotaro's stupidity in, like, a couple episodes from now. Oh. Goddamn, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it, it's still very stupid. Uh, so, we then sort of flash forward a little bit. Uh, the gang is enjoying some uh, Coca-Cola. Which I had I had sort of noted here, like it was a little unusual that this time around they're sort of covering the Coca-Cola label up with their hands, sort of like they did that in Roseanne all the time. Where like whenever Dan would pull a drink out of the fridge, his hand would always conveniently be over the label so you couldn't see what it was. Yeah. Uh it was also kind of weird already... how sometimes like they would say the name but you couldn't hear it because Roseanne was yelling racial slurs over it. That's right, yeah. She was just yelling about going Indian all the time. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it's it's weird to me, though, because the show's already established its own fake brand of Coca-Cola, and then, like, later on in the scene, they're showing that label. So the framing to this was very weird to me. Like, they're changing... they're Like, they're switching gears, and it's the actual brand, but they're hiding it, and then, like, that's not actually the case. Uh-huh. The opening of this episode is boring, so I made a lot of dumb observations like this to keep myself occupied. What is the deal with Coca-Cola? Like that? Like observational humor? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's with stands? I don't get them. Am I right, people? I mean, they call them a stand, but they actually float. It doesn't make any sense! Anyway, Joseph's magnetized. That's the thing that happened. Yeah. There's all these, like, Coca-Cola, like, pop caps stuck to him, and, like, no one notices this. Nope. I mean, it's he just, keeps, it's like, just a normal more thing. Of them keep, yeah, and more of them keep attaching themselves to him. He wakes up covered in, like, bottle caps. He He's basically uh, Ernest from Ernest Goes to Jail after he... Uh, is put in the electric chair and just everything starts magnetizing to him and then he has electric powers never forget Ernest could not be killed by conventional means <laughs> that's right Ernest is immortal yeah god I love Ernest uh, goes so to jail there are people who will tell you no no some of them not really suck one... nope I refuse to hear it Ernest in the army sucks Ernest goes to Africa sucks Ernest goes to camp sucks Ernest Scared Stupid is alright, Ernest Goes to Jail's the best. Ernest Saves Christmas, Ernest... very good. Ernest Ern... fought for our freedom, how dare you. Respect our Ernest. Sure, it's the bumper sticker on my car reads. Ernest Rides Again was alright, Ernest Goes to School, bad. Uh, I can't think of any what other What was Ernest's. the one where he dressed up as an old lady and just kept meandering around telling this really long, droning story about his husband? That's all, all Africa, of them? Right? Oh, that was a character in all of them? I thought that yes. was just in Africa. 
No. Okay. He, he does that in pretty much all of them. The one with like the neck I... brace and the thing is like, my husband, we couldn't get him out of his chair. Whatever. It's basically based on like Florence Stanley. Like I'm doing what? Like you're doing a plinket when you're doing that. Oh. <laughs> it's not too far from it, really. But... Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, I've been buying up a lot of old movies recently, and this is kind of making me realize that I should maybe be picking up some of the Ernest movies, too. Isn't there that thing that has, like, 80 Ernest movies for $4 or something? Oh, that's all I need. I could just stop buying movies after that. You ever watch uh, Hey Vern, which was the Ernest TV show? I didn't, no. Did you ever no, watch... Whatever that... The first movie... That they made like before the Ernest stuff, like it was the origin of Ernest, where it was actually about uh, the supervillain with like a hand on his Ernest, head. Ernest begins. Yeah. The dark Ernest yeah, rises. I... <laughs> Remember that bit where Ernest killed Liam Neeson? Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> Pushed him out of that fucking subway car. Said, "I don't have to save you." Wait, no way. I'm not gonna kill you, but I don't have to save you. Know what I mean, Vern? And then. Yeah, it just flies out of there. It just glided out. Uh, uh, <laughs> just flew away at the end after talking to Gary Oldman. <laughs> no, that that's the end. Uh, Gary Oldman shows them a card that just says Vern on it, and that's the tease for the next one. <laughs> the fucked up thing is I remember that there was this bit at the end of an Ernest movie that was like parroting the 1960s Batman, where he had like his own bat signal thing that like flew at the screen and everything. What? I, I, I swear to that. God that happened in that happened in some earnest related thing. I swear to you that I remember this. Okay, let me write down uh this one is gonna be just earnest things. <laughs> Hashtag just earnest. Okay. Well, what's the name of that what's the name of that story? Uh the the secrets of being earnest or something like the that? The importance of being earnest? The importance of being earnest. Yes. There you go. I bet that already exists, though. You know, like somebody who's taken that poster and just put Jim Varney in it. I'm sure that exists. It has to. It has to. Yeah. Man. What's this podcast about? Uh, Joseph was magnetized. That was how he got to Ernest Goes to Jail. Oh, right. (laughs) That's a hell of a walk to Ernest, but okay. It's literally Um, exactly what happens. (laughs) Ernest got electrified, and then he was magnetized. What what, what Ernest movie is the one where he dresses up as the old lady? God damn it. Like, he does that, and Ernest goes to jail. Like, the thing is, he goes into the jail as the old lady, and there's a part where... No, we need to to stop. We need to stop this. I was trying to bait you into a cylindrical conversation about Ernest where there is no end and no beginning, and it lasts forever until we die. So he's in jail, and he has, like, a... Larry, no! Like, the cartoon version of those shackles. Joseph is magnetized. Abdul wakes him up, and he's like... Wait, no, this is good. This is important. He has the cartoon shackle with a giant ball and chain on it. And I think, like, he keeps trying to get out, and so they put another one on him, and so he's like, can't even walk around anymore. And so he, uh, he disguises himself as the old lady somehow. I don't know how he gets the exact <laughs> costume pieces he needs inside the jail. And he uses the balls as fake boobs. I really hope that there's boobs. a bit of him just 
I really hope there's a bit of him just like picking up like a mop head and like tearing off like a curtain or something. <laughs> I don't think like so. to develop the disguise, and then he just shows up in like this very elaborate disguise that could not possibly be made out of all those components. That actually might be what happens. I don't remember, but he uses that would the... be amazing. He uses the iron balls as fake boobs is the main thing I remember, and then <laughs> he like goes to the guard as. You know, like, I was here visiting my son. He was a very bad boy. He murdered several people. Or whatever. What does your version of Ernest sound like he had a stroke? Well, that's... Look, I'm trying to do an impression of Ernest impersonating an old lady. It's... You do it. <laughs> Give me yours. See if you can do better. <laughs> Stop laughing first. Ugh. <sighs> All right, what's what's one of his what's one of his lines? I don't know. You tell me. Come up with one. Oh, Here we go. My Improv exercise. My husband is old and dead, just like I hope to be. I'm Ernest. <laughs> your trademark Ernest. of all your impressions <laughs> ending with saying who you're supposed to be. Yep, that's my Ernest impression. All right, Joseph's magnetized. Got that from the episode. <laughs> yes, Joseph's been magnetized. Abdul rolls him out of bed, and he's like, "Yeah, he's sleep like a, w- a total weirdo, dude. Just all these bottle caps attached to you. Whatever, let's go." And so Abdul leaves, but like Joseph sort of stays behind because he's discovering that like. His like his hand is acting weird and like stuff in the room is starting to get like drawn to him like a metal chair ends up like smacking him from behind. But like he still hasn't pieced together yet that he has been magnetized. Yeah, Joseph's kind of dumb. Yes, he touched the electric. That was her whole thing was to see how dumb he was. Yeah. Extremely is the answer. He's extremely stupid. Like later, when Avdol gets magnetized, it makes sense. Like that wasn't really yes. his fault. It it wasn't yeah. an outlet in the middle of the desert on a rock. Oh, we actually we skipped past a little bit here, uh, where they walk by a man who is hammering a box, and he's got like a bunch of nails that he's holding in his mouth, and when Joseph walks by, the nails oh, right. start to get drawn to Joseph. So they go into the man's mouth and start pressing against his cheek until they, like, jut out. Uh Uh-huh. And apparently at some point, I have been switched over to the broadcast version, so they blacked all this out. I didn't get to actually see the nails go through. I just saw this sort of, like, shadowy thing. That looks like fucking garbage. Yeah, it does. Uh, there's a way worse, more egregious instance of that later on, which we might get to in a future episode of this podcast, but I really don't like that my stuff has been switched over to broadcast. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it, but uh, what are you going to do? The episode opened with this whole copyright notice about like not sharing this episode illegally on the internet, though, which <laughs> I thought was hilarious, <laughs> given the circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite but is yeah, still like, that it says, like, none of these places have any connection to ones in real life. This is all fiction. <laughs> Cairo, Egypt. Yeah. Boy, this place sure is historical. Yep. 
Uh, but yeah, so he's he's kind of uh, noticing the stuff is getting attracted to him, but he's not quite piecing together why stuff is getting attracted to him. So he steps out of his hotel room, and uh, these two women are passing by, and they have like um, I th- I can't remember if it was both of them or one of them, but they they got like metal on the bottom of their skirt. So naturally, the magnetism causes their skirts to get hiked up in full view of Joseph. And they think, like, he lifted their skirts, and this lady turns into, like, a freaky gremlin monster thing and screams at him. Yeah, Chun-Li. Like, she's got she, she throbbing... She looks like Chun-Li. Oh, she's got, like, throbbing veins on her forehead and everything while she's screaming at him. Uh-huh. Uh, so By the way, Joseph to the listeners, gets... apologies. Uh, apparently, my fan was being picked up on the microphone every once in a while i've adjusted the noise gate so it shouldn't do that again Let's see mm. just throwing that out there anyway joseph gets smacked around by this behind uh... the curtain yeah uh but then a old woman passes by while joseph is still understandably very confused about what happened and she also has metal on the bottom of her skirt, and so it gets hiked up as well, but she is way into it. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you were an old lady and you saw that large hunk of man meat Joseph, wouldn't you be into it? That's a good point. I feel like you said the one thing I can't argue with. Even Mariah later is like, ah, oh, you're a pretty good-looking <laughs> Yo, dude, yeah. Joseph. This happens every time it's like a female stand user, it seems, where they're hitting on one of them. Yeah. I mean, look Which at is him. A little, it's a little bizarre at this point, but like, okay, whatever. Well, like, sure, Joseph, Joseph is delicious. Yes. Who am I to argue? They are all thirsty for Joseph. And Joseph, thirsty for all of them, except for this old lady, because we get the greatest oh my god in this series yet, where there's like a dun-dun, like yeah. metal clanking sound on every syllable of this thing. And it also is like a triple take, where it keeps coming, like it cuts back to blow them, and it keeps panning up with each, oh my god! Yeah. It's so good, in fact, in the next... He's ever been in this... The next episode has a previously on, and about half of it is just that. <laughs> uh, also, that is our third Oh My God of the episode. So the counter yeah. is up to three, in case you're following at home. If you're taking a shot every time Joseph says Oh My God, like I do, probably already feeling it. Ten minutes oh, yeah. into this episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Joseph now finally pieces things together that uh, he's magnetized. And as he's sort of like running away from this old lady situation he's got going on, he ends up uh, coming up to an escalator and he gets stuck to it. Which is bad because if the escalator ends up going all the way down, he will get sucked into the escalator like he's in China or something and get like ground up inside of it, which... I don't think that's actually how this would play out, but Joseph seems super freaked out about the prospect of it. I'm glad you mentioned uh, that video of the person getting eaten by an escalator, because I was going to bring it up if you didn't. No, I'm uh, way ahead of you on that one. Okay, good. Escalators Uh... are kind of freaky. Every time I've been on one, like, 
It's that step off at the top that is, like weirds me out. I was never freaked out about them in any way, shape, or form until I saw that video of that woman getting sucked in at the top of the escalator. Yeah. And I've not I've not been on one since I've seen that, but I am kind of freaked out a little bit. You had to always know that was a possibility. No, I never really considered it. I've heard of people like Born saying that you could get boy. like mashed. <laughs> I'm I'm a sweet, simple summer child. Yes, uh, I have heard of people getting mashed up and or not getting mashed up, but people saying that you could get mashed up inside of them. It never quite made sense to me. Like it always seemed those things got pretty flush with the ground, and that there wasn't a whole lot of room for you to get like, you know, sucked into it. Uh-huh. Now but you then know. I saw this lady get sucked off by the escalator in China, and now I know, yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, anyway, Joseph so, said, so Joseph's good. worried about getting sucked off by the escalator, yep. and uh, he's begging for help. And there's a woman ahead of him, and it turns out to be Mariah. And what her tassels are... Yes. Uh, her tassels are wrapping around Joseph, pulling him... Uh, closer to the escalator and uh, obviously she refuses to help him she's like oh whatever you're dead fuck you I'm leaving now fuck you Uh, so Joseph's like screaming for somebody to like hit the emergency off switch and he's trying to reach it with like hermit purple but it's not where it's supposed to be it's like further around the other side of the escalator and so right as he's about to be eaten by the escalator uh, Avdol shows up and hits the button and saves him. And then we get a really good bit here where Joseph <laughs> is just flailing around screaming about how he's going to die and he does I'm it gonna for be way too long. Somebody save me, please. I'm going to get eaten by this escalator. I don't want to die. Yeah, he's freaking out a lot. And then... I think my favorite part of this is when Avdol's like, Joseph, no, come on, like, get up, you're fine, I stopped it. And then he has to save face in front of all of these people watching by saying, like, oh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm here to inspect the escalator, uh, you must be from the hotel, would you please sign this book, uh, sign off on my, ins- my inspection, uh, everything is just fine. And Avdol's uh, like, a bit... what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, there's, like, a bit where he's doing that and Avdol's like, no. I'm not going along with this. Uh, so then, I, I really appreciate all these like senile Joseph moments. This Joseph is a regular. Then, he points out like, oh no, that's her. But follow, catch that kid. Go after her. Yep. Uh, Avdol. Or he has a sort of conversation with Avdol of like, hey, you know, I've been magnetized. If you see a strange outlet, do not touch it. And Avdol's like, well, I did. Uh, there was one right next to the button when I saved your ass, and like it shocked me when I went to go hit the emergency off switch. So, yeah, I guess I'm magnetized too. Uh oh. And then, like, a statue almost drops him on him, and I kind of, like, noted here that it reminded me of that bit from Overblood. Oh, yeah. The little nice. statue puzzle that if you mess it up, the statue just tilts over and crushes you to death. Yep. Uh, Overblood. Yeah. You know, that game, like, a bunch of people who listen to this podcast would, like, totally know off the top of their head, right? right. Well, everybody knows the tale of Peepo. 
So, oh, like if, it's true. if you know Peepo, you know Overblood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. That that statue tries to follow him, and he uh stops it by grabbing its boobs, which is like I okay. I don't really yeah, get the point hilarious. of that. Like, it's not a person, not. is it? No, but like, <laughs> wouldn't, like wouldn't, wouldn't you find it weird though? Like, if you saw someone like groping a statue's tits. But if it's tipped over like that, it's obviously like falling on them and they're trying to stop it. It's not like a oh, person tripped and like he tries to stop them and grabs their boobs then. Then it would be like, oh, haha, they're both embarrassed about this unfortunate thing. Like, if it's just a statue, it's like, whatever, he's just wow. trying to stop it from falling on him. An episode later, they're about to be very embarrassed about an extremely unfortunate thing. Oh, well, yes. So, before... Uh, I'll I'll say when that's the end of this okay. episode. Uh, not quite, because not... they chase her into the bathroom. Oh right! And they decide yes. to start checking. Yeah, so they recognize her legs and they start checking under the stalls. And uh, when they think they've spotted her, like three of these four stalls open up and reveal some real Tokyo Godfather-looking motherfuckers. Yeah, well, it's because they walk past the locks and then the the locks follow their oh, magnet right. bodies yeah. to open them i i miss i was probably making a note when that happened uh, but then the last one opens up and it's not mariah it's the old lady from the lobby oh yeah who apparently has a banging bod yeah she's am i a gigantic right? rack on her uh which I checked later, there's a scene where you get a lot of cleavage from her, and I looked in the manga, and that's not in that part of the manga. Right. Uh, I have not checked all of it, but I think her cleavage might be an anime manga difference. Oh, well, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll find out whether or not the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Wikia is on top of that one in a minute. Sure. Uh, but before we get there, we got one last beat to cover, which is that <laughs> Avdol and Joseph bail out yes. and just dive out the bathroom window and this has my favorite line in this batch of episodes maybe my favorite one from this whole part which is avdol saying bathroom disasters are polnareff's thing <laughs> i have a google alert for polnareff bathroom disaster <laughs> bathroom disaster time to bail yep oh god oh uh also, there there is one little uh, extra bit at the end of this that, that I'm kind of noticing in my notes now. Um, they do spot Marie outside and they start chasing her, but Avdol right. now being magnetized, uh, he is getting stuck to Joseph. Yeah. Stuck on that, you. That is the episode, so... You ever see Stuck on anime. You? No, I have not. Greg Kinnear? It sucks. No. Who does Greg Kinnear get stuck to? I want to see Will Arnett? Mm, I, I kind of want to watch this now. Looking. Yeah. Hey, great, don't... Oh, Matt Damon. Ah, screw it then. Yeah. You had well, me at oh, Will Arnett well, now. Ugh. What if I told you Ava Mendez is in it as well? I'm come back around. <laughs> okay. Uh, d- does does uh, Matt Damon and uh, do do they sandwich her in between? Do they make a magnet sandwich? 
Well, they're not magnetized. They're conjoined twins. Oh, well, then... Oh, oh, God, no. Then I definitely do not want to watch this. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh. uh, I think I was probably wait, thinking Does of... Ava Mendes do anything to the twins? I don't know. I don't remember. All right. I, I was well, probably I thinking need... of the brother Solomon when I was saying Will Arnett. Will Arnett would play a good Joseph Joestar. A good old Joseph. Uh, I don't think so. I, I would want uh, like a, a Tom Skerritt. Mm. Uh, a Treat Williams. Because, you know, every time you see Treat Williams, it's a treat. I think you're just making up names now. What's the anime manga differences? Treat, Treat Williams was the star of the Substitute movies after they couldn't get Tom Berenger anymore. <laughs> I think oh, it was yeah, after sure. the first one. Of course you would choose a budget Berenger to play <laughs> old man Joestar. But you don't want real... Like, you don't want Tom Berenger for Joseph because he's too fat. Over here insulting Ernest in the military... That's the name of that movie, right? Yep, Ernest in the Milita- Ernest in the Army Now. <laughs> yeah. Major Pain. As we've mentioned having sleepy episodes before. I have had a day, so this is... Um... I'm on top of it. I just woke up and oh, now God, ago, yeah, so no, I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'll I'm carry this. pretty far beyond just running on fumes right now, so yes. Manga I'll write around on your back like Yoda. Manga anime differences. Here we go. The scene with the Speedwagon Foundation hoping to speed up Kakuin's eye recovery was not in the manga. So Shocking. I, I guess it's good they came up with a... They're like, we need to have something to explain how he his uh, gouged out eyes heal bizarrely quickly. Yeah. When Avdol stops the statue from falling on him, he places his hands on its chest in the anime. Does not happen in the comic. It even has a picture hmm. here. Oh, okay, good. That because you needed photographic evidence for that one, right? Yeah. Well, you, yeah, you need to document. Okay, Suda says. <laughs> the beginning of the episode yep. features Kakuin again. The Speedwagon Foundation takes care of him for his eye injury, and we learn that he'll recover sooner than expected. We face a stand attack from a mysterious assailant, and we had to insist on entertaining this mystery while increasing the tension around Joseph's condition. Nevertheless, the first part is more about poop. Vulgar jokes typical of shonen mangas are in legions and contribute contribute to the series' charm, if you want to call that charm. Ha 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 ha. The scene where the forks and knives rush towards Joseph particularly affected me. We feel the power of the magnetism well, which is about to become a serious problem. Except for the beginning, we never see Mariah's face again, so we have this interesting continuity with Joseph being attacked by this mysterious beautiful woman while his magnetism problem gradually gains in power. In the toilet scene, we see the old lady again. Toshiko Sawada's depiction of her as perfect. The scene where Jotaro and Polnareff are waiting for Joseph and Avdol was added in the anime. Okay, and then they didn't put that in manga anime differences, even though it's right here. Great. Oh, you know. We put they it were here... too busy taking that, that screenshot <laughs> to put up there as photographic evidence. Uh, we put it here to establish a better link with the next events. Alright. Now, speaking of next events, 
Uh, Maria's Divine Breasts, part two. Uh, Joseph and Avdol, they're stuck together, and they gotta sort of like do this one-legged race thing, and they're going for a fence, uh, hoping that they can kind of separate themselves on it, like use it as a wedge. Uh, so they have to step in rhythm and use their core muscles. Yeah, don't attract the worm. No. If you don't got rhythm, you'll never learn. So, uh, as usual, a crowd has gathered and are watching these grown men step in rhythm using their core muscles, which, as you can imagine, sure looks uh, a lot like something. My favorite part is that Joseph tries to diffuse this situation by saying, Yeah, look, we're dancing. Look, we're practicing dancing. And, like, da 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 yeah. Two grown men were dancing in the middle of the street, smooching. There's nothing weird about it. <laughs> Go about your day. Stop looking at us. You know, uh, <laughs> late 80s, early 90s in Egypt, not exactly a progressive bastion. No. No. Uh, would say in Japan, also not a progressive bastion in the 1980s. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of gay panic jokes in this episode is what I'm getting at. Uh, Maybe today not so progressive if you look at some of the stuff in like Persona. Uh, Yeah, I was was about to say I played Persona Five. Yeah. Um. So a a few episodes ago, before I had watched them, when we were uh when our homework was the lovers episode, I asked you like, hey, enjoying all those gay panic jokes? Because this was the segment I was thinking of. And I thought that it was for the lovers' stand. Like I, I was thinking for some reason that like he went in their brain and controlled them and made them do this. And then I, <laughs> eventually I remembered. Oh right, they get magnetized by a different one, and that's what happens. But, but yes, think what the message that episode would be if it's like, yeah, a bug got into your brain and made you gay. <laughs> no, but the point would like, just wow. be like he was messing with it, kind of like he was messing with the uh, Jotaro, really. I mean, I mean, yes, sure. Oh, God. It, yeah, so this isn't even the worst of it, because, like, he's trying to do this dancing thing to sort of downplay what's going on, or, like, what it looks like is going on. They finally get to the fence, but they sort of have to, like, rearrange. So, okay. If they're pressed together, then that means that their magnetism is, uh, their their polarity is reversed. So... If you were to say that Joseph's head was a positive polarity, then Avdol's feet would be positive. Yes. So they to slide down in order to weaken the magnetism enough to separate, which of course means Avdol has to slowly slide his cheek down Joseph's well-formed, perfect chest and delicious six-pack abs until he is flush with his crotch and that is where he stops for a hot minute. <laughs> yeah, he has to stop just to... to say, like, wow, this really lo- would look weird if somebody was watching. And there's plenty of people watching. There's a gigantic crowd. Yep. And it's all children. Well, no, it, it was Everyone just one guy. Kids can't look at this. At first, it was just one guy. And it's at this point, he's like, oh, no, he, bar- he brought his friends. And there's just <laughs> yeah. a, an entire crowd. All these slack-jawed kids. There's like eight or ten of them just staring at them. <laughs> and then, like, Avdol uh, 
Abdul gets free, but then uh, Joseph's butt. Huh? Joseph's butt. It, yeah. it it attracts Ab. So Abdul, Abdul's crotch gets attracted to Joseph's butt. Yeah. When a Joseph Joestar and an Abdul love each other very much. Daddy, what they do, are those they two do men a special doing? dance. <laughs> are they fighting? That's called rutting, son. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Getting raw on us. <laughs> so, so yes, Abdul, in, in this whole fucked up nightmare scenario that they're going through, Abdul is now crotch to butt with Joseph, and then the old lady shows up again. Oh right, yeah, she does. And, and she's now like... she's she is not into this. No, it's like I thought you were into me, but it turns out you're a filthy queer. And there's this really good shot of Joseph, like tears welling up in his eyes. He's like, Abdul, please, I'm going to cry." <laughs> Here, here's the thing, though. You know, gay panic jokes are. Like really tired this was hilarious to me just because yes, of the is. way it yeah. was animated and acted yeah and yeah uh th this is so this is out of these uh set of episodes the one point that i pulled open my books for to kind of see like if this was stretched out in the anime or anything and i think it's even funnier in the books because like the quality of the line art in that is hilarious yeah like rocky is really good at coming up with just goofy ass expressions for mm -hmm. like specifically the i'm going to cry panel is like i think my single favorite image that i've come across flipping through these books so far it is good but yeah yeah uh, they they end up uh, kind of getting themselves over this fence and they become separated and they, they start rolling down uh, and they think that they're in the clear, but uh-oh, train tracks at the bottom of this hill and they're still magnetized. So, of course, they are now magnetized to the train tracks and Maria is there across Mariah. from them and they didn't cheat Mariah, I'm sorry. I this just don't the like new the name Mariah. I I think my problem is I just really don't like the name Mariah. I read it and every time I think it should say Maria. Yeah, you gotta see her. Uh... Blondie. Anyway. She's there. Yeah. Uh oh, also, uh forgot to mention, oh my god count is now up to four, officially. Yeah. Just so you know. So they fall down here and at first they think they're in the clear. They're like, we made it! Oh no. Oh no. Strange. Uh-oh. Uh, Mariah, uh-oh. Uh-oh. And there's a, there's a train that's actually come down the tracks. Uh, so this is extremely well-timed for Mariah. Imagine what would happen if, like, that train had already passed. They took too long, like, doing butt stuff up there. Sure. <laughs> she would have had to wait around way longer. <laughs> Uh, I so, really like, oh, okay, so they're stuck to this track, and a train is coming. Joseph's first thought is, Avdol, use Magician's Red to melt the track. Magician's Red can melt steel beams, as we've established. Uh, mm. <laughs> so we can get out of here. And then Avdol's like, Joseph, no, the, the train would derail and kill everybody on board. And Joseph has to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah that, that would, right. That would 
bad, wouldn't it? That would be really bad. Oh, yeah. yeah. They can, however, grab a, a pole, a, like a stick sticking out of the ground with a hermit purple and try to yank themselves free, but the pole ends up breaking, so yeah. that doesn't work. The plan to yank themselves off didn't work. <laughs> no, it didn't work at the top of the fence. It didn't work at the bottom. Nope. <laughs> Just couldn't uh, pull so... one out. The solution is Avdol then uses Magician's Red to burn the wood on the track to create a hole, letting the train move over them. Uh, and Avdol is very pleased with himself. He's like, ah, oh, now this is a Muhammad Avdol move. Yeah, I like uh, post-fake-death Avdol. Yeah, this is, this is in my character. Rubbing my face up against Crotch is not in my character. Definitely not. I'm extremely straight. <laughs> Where is it? Uh, okay. And then so, is it in this episode? So this is... I, I forgot to make a note of it. There's somewhere in one of these episodes where somebody says something like, that's not what you would expect from a main character. Where is that? Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's within these two episodes, but I do, I do not know exactly where. Oh, no, where. It, it's, it's Alessi. It's the, the bathtub part. Uh, oh, oh. Yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> No, I might be forgetting that because I'm trying to forget all of that. I was, well, I was starting to think that it was the old lady that said that, but yeah, it, it was Alessi later on. Okay. So there, there's an inconsistency in, in my, on my bootleg ass website, there's an inconsistency now where it is flipping between broadcast and not broadcast versions of the show. And I know this because when Mariah sees that the two of them got under the train, her face, like, freaks out in a really gnarly way, and in my version, she yells, You cheating motherfuckers! Sure. <laughs> and in my manga, at least, it is, You cheating sons of bitches, which is less bad, it's more broadcast appropriate. What it, was it for you? It, it was in between. She calls them shit-eating bitches. Shit eating bitches. Right. That's important to find the middle ground. Yeah. You know, the truth is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a, a really great reaction of hers because I there's no way for me to possibly describe the phase that she makes. Uh if you are following along and watching at home, you already know, know what I'm talking about, but if you have not gotten there yet or seen it, uh you owe it to yourself to look it up. Yes. It is fantastic. Uh, and I, I had also noted here, and I'm not quite sure why, I don't really remember, uh, Joseph and Aftal, just a couple of cool dudes doing cool dude poses. Yep. They're cool dudes. Oh, yeah, right. They're, they're bragging that they've won. Uh-huh. While they got, like, all this shit hanging off of them, and they're doing poses. So this is, um... Before she takes off again And uh, Joseph figures out Oh right, she's trying to keep Like, just the right amount of distance From oh. us If she gets you're, too you're... far away, it won't work no. What? You're missing a very important bit what? Th This is how he starts to piece it together Is uh, Mariah has a backup plan Oh uh, yeah Joseph gets hermit purple around her <laughs> neck Non-phased by this Uh 
it looks for a moment as if though her breasts are starting to grow very rapidly. Oh. And she's like, no, my, I know what you're thinking, you filth, you trash, you garbage man. But my tits aren't growing. I just stuffed my bra with a ton of nuts and bolts sure. that are now attracted to you. You know, as one does. <laughs> yeah. So, like, all these nuts and bolts just fly out of her top, and, like, uh, they're just belting into them now. Abdul's, like, burning. My favorite part about this whole thing is that she apparently put, made sure to put nuts right on the end so they look like nipples <laughs> as it's getting bigger. <laughs> you know. She's got, like, the, she's got the Madonna, like, um, cone bra thing yeah. going on there. Yeah, you really need you you need the whole effect, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's part of a look. It's definitely also, a look. like she doesn't she to, she totally doesn't have like weird lumpy metal breasts at any point before this. So, nope. yeah, what I'm saying is the padding on her top is is very good. Sure, they can do crazy very, things these days. Good. Yeah. Uh, so. So yeah, yeah, that happens. There's a really good bit there where like one of Joseph's eyes is bugging out. Yeah, he's noticing it for the first time. But that is how he realizes, uh, as you said, the the magnetism is stronger the closer you get to her, and weaker the further away you get from her. So she's trying to maintain a very specific distance because if she gets too close, then their stands will be able to reach her. Yeah. Anyway, continue. What, what do you want me to say? I don't know. You you start. I I derailed things. Yeah, you derailed it. That's right. So now it's your it's, it's your responsibility wanna, again. You do it. Uh, I hate this part. I wish we didn't her, have to do it. But her breast. I mean, the thing with her breasts, they got they got all big. I just wanted. To, I didn't want to skip over because the fans they would have been upset if we didn't talk about the breasts. That was like the whole point of the episode. Number one Asian <laughs> big boob queen. Uh, number two? No, number one? <laughs> Nobody will understand uh, so, that. Yeah. No, not not a not a soul. Uh she starts running away and Joseph uses Hermit Purple to draw a map in the uh dirt. And he sort of figures out where she's going, and he's like, okay, we're going to split up, we're just going to get her in, like, a pincer attack. Yeah, because this road just loops around. Yeah. Uh, so, they they start chasing her, and this whole scene is just rife with a bunch of gags. Uh-huh. Like, there's a man offering a, a ring to a woman, but he gets drawn in by the magnetism. There's a guy riding on a bike, and he gets sucked out from underneath him, and he's, like, just riding the air like it's some Mary Melodies shit. Yeah, there's a dog that looks like Spuds McKenzie that just, like, gets yanked <laughs> on, like, through its chain. Uh, and his, uh, and someone... his food bowl, too, gets stuck to Joseph's head. There's there's a... There's my favorite classic, like, uh, chase gag where someone's setting up a big, elaborate display and they're putting the finishing touches on yes. it. And it's like a pyramid of mango cans. Uh, and of course, all that gets sucked over to Joseph. That, uh, that kind of humor has kind of gone the way of souffle humor, unfortunately. 
or inflatable yeah. raft humor. Raft, uh, obvious dummy humor is still alive and well. So that, thank that's God. true. Yeah. Uh, so everything's kind of getting attracted to them, and it, it like bogs them down. And then Mariah sort of turns around and is just like, "Ah, you idiots!" Like it gets stronger the closer you get you get to me. So like, of course you wouldn't be able to to reach me. You'd get crushed under a bunch of stuff. Uh, and so she ends up cutting electrical lines above them. Uh, knowing that they will end up getting magnetically attracted to Joseph and uh, Avdol and will electrocute him to death. So problem solved. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Avdol is able to melt them. Uh, Joseph is not. He has to like hold them back with Hermit Purple and like the wires are like slowly coming out and getting closer to his eyes. Yeah, um, Mariah says like, uh, you know, Avdol can defend himself with Magician's Red. Uh, Hermit Purple sucks. You're not going to be able to do it. Uh, but yeah, this is where she starts talking about like, uh, oh, you know, you're really attractive. Like, uh, wish things were different. Maybe you and I could date. That'd be neat. That would be neat, she says. <laughs> uh, that would be swell. Uh, and Joseph's golly. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could take me out for a root beer float. Gosh, golly gee willikers, that'd be swell. Uh, you gotta have me home by eight, though, or Dio's gonna get real angry. Only one kiss on the cheek. <laughs> I'm waiting till marriage. So, Joseph's like, okay, yeah, if you're into me, like, could you maybe stop trying to murder me? Like, we could totally go out. Like, I kind of need to be alive, though. And she's like, nah. Dio's hotter. Yeah, Dio's way sexier than you. I mean, have you seen Dio? Sorry, I'm extremely into your grandfather's body. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, I was like, okay, cool. Like, that's the only thing I needed to hear uh, before I would be all right with really fucking you up. So he was like holding on to like a drain pipe the entire time. Uh, what they did with the pincer attack is actually pretty smart because they're still like so much like the Paula Abdul song opposites attract uh-huh and Joseph and Avdol end up flying towards Mariah and they smash her right in the middle yes uh the, keep in mind Avdol has like a car attached <laughs> to him at this point so there's a lot of force in her yeah. And then, like, Joseph's bragging about this, and Avdol's like, she's unconscious, dude. We broke, like, all of the bones in her body. Yep. And yet, she's just, like, unconscious somehow, yeah. even though it's, like, making these awful, like, squishing noises and cracking while she's Yeah, we get them. another, we get another real good, like, oh, so and so is retired. Yep. And yeah, so she's, uh, She's taken care of, and uh, we catch up uh, real quick before the episode ends with Jotaro and Ponorev. Uh They're hungry, they're waiting for Abdal and uh, Joseph, and uh, they decide to kind of just like go off and look for him. But as they leave, a man named Alessi appears. Yeah, the guy who... Uh... Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. He looks like a crazy taxi character, too. 
He looks like a child molester. Yeah, which yeah. is appropriate, which makes sense given these next two episodes. Unless he's a real dirtbag. Yeah, there's been a lot of dirtbags in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Unless he is King Dirtbag. Yeah, I think so, actually. Okay, uh, but no manga anime differences here. Oh, a perfect episode. <laughs> or right. alternative, like the people running this wiki fell asleep on the job again. Yeah, that's very possible. Uh, Suda says, This is the direct sequel to episode 30, but with a lot more small objects on screen because of the magnetism. Yuda Takamura found the direction rather difficult to sort out. The old lady gets a third appearance while Joseph and Advol are locked into each other. I did it. I did it. I did what you do. While Joseph and Avdol are locked into each other. Will she yes. appreciate the show? Ha 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 ha. Hey, that's once. Uh, to the listeners, if uh, George sounds a little bit different, we're now, we uh, our current, our usual recording thing crapped out. We had to switch to another source, so... Uh, okay. Anyway, yeah. uh, back back to what Suda says. Uh, oh, just like the last episode, Joseph <laughs> is thrown around by Mariah's magnetism in a comical scale. It's only at the very end that he feels cool and brings down his adversary once and for all, as expected of a Joe star. The scene of the final attack teaming up with Avdol is formidably well rendered. The one in charge of the animation gave full disclosure to the teams and didn't really need to make modifications. Mariah is a female character, which is priceless in JoJo. We poured all our heart into showing her sexy side every time she appeared. But yeah, there's that part where they're following her and it just has a close-up of her butt. Uh, that I think happens multiple times. Well, the, uh... It's also part of the, like, previously on. I think it shows it again. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of her butt in this, which, uh, you know, the amount that her face is covered up through most of uh, these episodes, they they kind of then rely on shots of her body. So... Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the episode finished on a mysterious guy stalking Jotaro and Polnareff. It's a way of inviting the audience to watch the next episode. No, I don't want to come. I'm not, I'm not RSVPing to that, dude. Note that in the manga, there's no precise indication of the chronology of the events, but in the anime, we made it so you could understand that the fights against Mariah and Alessi were roughly happening at the same time. So that's a manga-anime difference, and these assholes didn't put it in here. No shit! Yeah. It's almost like the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Wikia is in a state of uh, negligence. Oh, look, we gotta make do. <sighs> Alright, here we go. One day, one day we will take it over. Um, you and me. Just, um, so the listeners know, the, these next couple of episodes, we're probably going to just... And to blow through because I don't need you to uh, have PTSD or anything. So <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, maybe also warn me before I watch these. I episodes. did. Hardly. I did. I, I saw. I because I always do this. I watched the next episode preview and was just like, 
oh, this seems like a grown woman's maybe going to have sex with a child and then figured I should just watch this at home. I told you last time, next set of episodes don't watch at home. Oh, God. Also, I warned you early on that there was going to be baby dick. I went and got a Subway sandwich before watching these episodes, which was a wise decision. I even told you earlier in the series that there would be something with straight Shoda overtones. And apparently you just completely forgot about it. Yeah, no, I blocked it out or I forgot about it. It, Great. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, fuck. I took good notes for about half of this episode, and then when it really got into the grime, I sort of stopped. Well, the thing is, not a lot actually happens in this. Yeah, uh, so it, it picks up where the last one left off. Um, with Alessi just sort of like uh, following Joseph, Jotaro and uh, Polnareff and like there's a actually pretty funny bit here where there's like a bunch of girls playing in the mud and pretending to be like old crones basically oh, oh, right this is one of my favorite bits because uh, yeah they're playing in mud like making mud pies or whatever but there's this bit where one of them is drinking from a cup and the other was like, oh, here's your bourbon and scotch on the rocks. <laughs> yes. It's a little early for you to be drinking the whole thing, right? And the other one is like, oh, my husband's away on a business trip. He doesn't know. And then it cuts back to Polnareff watching the maze just like, ah, kids are so innocent. <laughs> I really like that part. Uh... Too bad it's the rest of this episode. Yep, it's uh, attached at the hip to the rest of this shit, just like stuck on you, and I want nothing to do with it. Also like stuck on you. Yeah. Yeah. A boy runs up to Alessi and kind of gets dirt on his legs, and Alessi immediately off the bat is a complete fucking creep. You do not do this to a child. You don't lean down and go like, oh, where's your mom and dad at? How old are you? How old are you? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you're all alone, huh? Yeah, it's... Oh, God. And then he punches him. <laughs> yeah, so it does end up, like, going... How, so if you did see a kid on the street, punching him would be acceptable, right? If he got dirt on your pants? Talking to him like a creep, that's bad, but, like, punching him's okay. I mean, if he can't pay to have your pants cleaned, sure. Yeah. They gotta teach him a lesson somehow. Teach him a lesson. No, no, teach, no. Teach him a good no, lesson. No. Bend him over. That's no. Tell him what's what. No. Because then a lady's going to like come and take him to her bathroom and it's going to get like super weird and it's no. Teach him a lesson. Larry, please. And to make him pay for the pants. I'm calling the feds. Okay. Uh, yes, he he punches the kid. Meanwhile, Jotara and Polnareff get tired of waiting for uh, yeah, Joseph and Navdal. Waiting for Joseph. Yep. Classic play. Classic Christopher Guest movie. Waiting for <laughs> Joseph. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there there is a bit here though where uh, Alessi, after savaging this child, uh, establishes that he will win by any underhanded means possible. Because he fights dirty and he doesn't give a fuck 
and he says very good a lot yeah he does the narrator even says he has a habit of saying very good yeah it's like he's dropping one of those stones in dark souls yeah so uh yeah, Jotar that they're like looking around. Oh and wait, Alessi I forgot is, to mention uh, one of the best incidences of Joseph's English. Um, wh- where is it? There's some part where he says something, like, "Help me, son of a bitch," or something like that. <laughs> like he strings together like a a few different words in oh, English. Yeah, that's that's right. He does. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember exactly where it falls, but yeah, that that sounds familiar. Yeah. Boy, I'd be cool just talking about this last episode some more, uh, but <laughs> gotta move on with this fucking travesty. So, uh, Alessi is talking to them in a crowd, and Polnareff is the one that sort of notices him and confronts him. And Alessi's just trying to act like he's an innocent bystander, like, oh, I dropped a coin. I don't know. Just, just normal dude. Why are you hassling me? Uh, but Ponrev knows he's a stand user and is trying to, like, uh, threaten him with Chariot to get him to draw his stand out, which he does. Uh, and it is a shadow that just briefly touches Ponrev's feet before he's able to jump over the rest of it. But that's all the contact it needs to make to do is dirt. Uh, which, as we find out when Ponrev is chasing him through an alleyway, like, he's starting to shrink and get smaller, and his voice is getting more high-pitched. Also, this is actually a really cool segment. Like, I like the way it's animated, like, from first person of running through the alley and getting smaller and everything. Yeah, there's CG used in this, but it's good-looking CG, like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's well-animated, and this is a, a smart and neat way to sort of communicate what is happening to him. It it is a shame about everything else in the rest of this episode. It also takes Polnareff way too long to figure out what's happening to him. Yes, it, it takes him colliding with a man and then the man picking him up and calling him a kid. And that is not quite enough. That's enough for him to realize something is wrong and then he looks in a window and sees that he's a child again. Well, it's not even that. There's also, like, the guy on the bike who's like, out of the way, kid. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Like all of this other, like a dog comes yeah, up. Yeah, dog and comes him. up and is, yeah, it's like the same exact height as him. Yeah. And uh, so then Jotaro shows up and says, "Hey, oh, little God. boy, uh, I'm looking for my friend. He's wearing clothes that look exactly like yours and are like the same size as yours, and he's got a hair just like you, and uh, he and looks just a lot like you in general. Yeah, he's got like the same earrings, and his name is Polnareff." Have you seen my buddy Polnareff around anywhere? I'm looking for Polnareff. I mean, we're dealing with magical enemies that could do kind of about anything, uh, but you it's obviously not you. Hi, my name is Jotaro, and I might be slightly jealous that Polnareff is stealing all of my thunder throughout <laughs> two seasons of this fucking television program, so I know it's you, but I'm just going to pretend like it is not. This part sucks. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Jotaro, the dumbest motherfucker in any season of this show, apparently. We just got through like a whole set of episodes where the whole deal with Mariah is proving that Joseph is stupid. Jotaro takes the cake. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Polnareff is actually struggling to remember Jotaro's name because as Polnareff progresses in age, his memories of being an adult are also slowly fading. He He is regressing mentally as well as physically just like me oh no 
it's only a matter of time until do you need do all you I talk can, about it. Yeah, all, all I'll be able to remember are like the relationships of the characters in the Yakuza games. Oh no, it's and... a fate worse than death. <laughs> I don't know. Going to come to your home tonight with a pillow and just what about all the multiverses misery? of DC Comics. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah. No. Well, see, Earth Two, see, Silver Age Batman was actually help. Earth Two Batman. See, they retconned it during Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, so like that's no. where Huntress comes from. Huntress was uh, the no. daughter of Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle in Earth Two, and uh, did she? What was he doing? No, keep going. Keep doing the bit. No. One, two. Keep doing the bit. No! I refuse. <laughs> uh, you can't make me. You know who has the opposite of this problem, weirdly enough? Is uh, Frankie Muniz. Where he has, like, a memory issue... And is like progressively forgetting stuff that happened to him at younger ages. He actually has no memory anymore of filming any episode of Malcolm in the Middle. Frankie Muniz is the luckiest man alive. <laughs> he actually, I, I saw someone like post a picture of him like talking about how he has like brain damage and like it has uh, memory loss issues. I was like that. That sounds like some bullshit thing that somebody made up, but like that's actually the case. Is he's prone to having like seizures and has, has memory loss. And uh, the thing that I read was like, he recently sat down and watched all of Malcolm in the middle because it was all new to him at that point in his life. He's like, man, I didn't realize that uh, the guy from breaking bad was my dad in this show. Weird. Yeah. Like that's, that's literally the, the way that his memory works is that at some point he would forget that he was on a show with Brian Cranston. Well, he couldn't forget that he was on a show with Jane Kaczmarek, though, could he? He absolutely did. Oh, no. Yeah. Imagine being Frankie Muniz. What a horrible, sad existence. But also not really, because he's rich, so whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, that actually sounds okay, especially considering how bad the life of a child actor usually is. Like, that seems ideal. In In a weird way, it kind of means that you'd be able to enjoy stuff you enjoyed for the first time once already for the first time again. Yeah. And just think how much better do you think Macaulay Culkin would be now if he had that same oh my thing? God. Like he, he, would... he probably wouldn't look like Skeletor for one thing. Yeah. Jeez. Or what about like Lindsay Lohan? Oh, definitely. Just wipe Imagine all the memories of Herbie fully loaded. Tom Lennon and all. <laughs> I mean, I kind of wish I could too, but it did not have as much of an adverse effect on me as it did for her. I never saw it. Eh, not I missing mean, much. I, I heard the news about how uh, they CGI'd out her boobs, and I was like, nope, no thanks. <laughs> I'm out. 12-year-old uh, me, or whatever, was like, nah, anyway, we, no interest. We've uh, established here at Stand and Deliver, brain damage. Larry and I are way into it. I'm uh, for it. Yeah, no, we're going to see if we can't give ourselves some memory loss after this episode. It's going to uh, be like you know, that, that episode in the new Lupin series where he has to get brain damage <laughs> exactly. to open that safe. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to hit each other in the head with mallets. Yeah. 
Yeah, just smack me in the head with a hammer until I fucking forget these Alessi episodes. I would be a-okay with that. Uh, anyway, Alessi ends up catching up with Kid Polnareff. Uh, album coming soon. and uh, Yo, kicks... Kid, Kid Polnareff. Album dropping. <laughs> Toddler kicks... Chariot. He kicks Polnareff so hard that Polnareff gets embedded into like the roof of this nearby restaurant. And he's just like dangling out of it. And uh, so Alessi's going to kill him using a gun because guns are very effective (laughs) against children. Yeah. (laughs) He just starts dumping this fucking Glock into Polnareff. And like he summons Chariot and stops all the bullets. But because... Because stands are tied to somebody's mental state, Chariot is also little kid Chariot, and it's just the most adorable thing. Yes, I do really like Chibi Chariot. Yeah. Uh, But because he's so tiny, like, he's also very weak. Uh, So he's out of ammunition, and unless he (laughs) pulls out a gigantic axe that has axe (laughs) branded into the side of I mean, you know, okay, Alessi sucks, but I will give him credit that he is not messing around like a lot of the other stand users are. Like, he just yeah. turns him to a kid, and he's like, alright, I'm just gonna shoot you now. Yeah. And then when that doesn't work, he's like, alright, I've got an axe. There, There is, uh, up to a point, I'm actually extremely into these episodes, and that is basically through this bit where Polnareff is stuck up here, and then after it, no to everything else yeah like the the, the concept of like oh his stand turns you into a kid and so you're young and defenseless and your stand is weaker and you're forgetting things that would help you out in a fight is an interesting and totally fine concept it's when it becomes sexual (laughs) also his stand looks cool it's just like a weird shaped shadow with actual eyes on the ground yeah well i mean it looks like that dude from the uh shin megami tensei games yeah that's I think that is just like set. I think so, so yeah. Also, uh Okage no, Okage so. Shadow King. Yeah. It's kinda like that. So uh he uses he tries to use the axe, but uh Chariot manages to kind of um Oh Chariot hits it with its blade, but the blade breaks off, ricochets off a wall, and then sinks into Alessi's neck. Yeah. And Alessi starts freaking out with his blade jutting out of his neck and just runs out of there. Uh, so Polnareff, uh, he gets out of the out of the ceiling and sort of crawls off, but he's all bloodied up. That's when a woman in the street notices him and is just like, oh my god, you're hurt. Uh, we better go to my place and we'll patch you right up. So before we get to all the gross stuff, I should mention... Did they ever say if Polnareff had his stand when he was a kid? Uh, the they show said did it a, about Avdol. They established that most stand users have their stand since they were children. The okay. exception is the Joe Stars because theirs was triggered by Dio. Okay, so, I kind of thought that Dio, like... Alright. No, I thought he the, triggered a lot of them, though. No, not the the way that they had established things was like Dio getting the stand and the Joe Stars getting the stand is the abnormal thing. Stand users already exist in mass out there. Dio is just rallying them. 
Okay, well, part four is going to retcon some of that when we get to it, so okay. I have heard some mention of a thing called a stand arrow at some point. I don't know what that is. I, uh-huh. I heard something about Dio used a stand arrow on this guy, so I I don't know. Yeah, that becomes very important. But Okay. So, uh, I'm just going to read my notes exactly. Um, uh, okay, some lady is concerned about his wounds and drags him off to her house to treat him, which is, uh, boy, that's problematic. Jesus Christ, am I going to jail? Jesus Christ, call the cops. And then Alessi shows up in this bathroom while all this is going on and mercifully ends this shit. I, uh... I'm going to read the text I got from you when you were reading, <laughs> when you were watching this. Right. Let me see. Um, Jesus Christ, I'm going to get arrested for watching this JoJo episode. What the fuck? I said, this was a covert straight Shota indoctrination scheme. Now you're going to jail. <laughs> you replied with, I fucking hate these episodes. God damn it. Ah, ah this fetus. This is not okay. I replied with, shut up and watch the JoJo's. You said, no! Okay, done. Please tell me I'm in the clear with baby dicks and logs of shit at least for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's a very good earnest exchange between us, yeah. Oh, man. Um... I'm trying to remember details. I like how you don't don't rule out that it's going to come up again. You're just like, okay, for a while, as long as I'm in the clear. Just to give me a fucking buffer, because the Death Death 13 episodes were not that far off. Yeah. I didn't have enough time to recuperate. Yeah, I don't think there's anything similar until, like, the last few episodes of Part 4, so. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, ruin it all at the end. Well, even uh, then, it's it's not to this extent. So to, to try to provide some context of what's going on here, basically this woman is trying to give Polnareff a bath because he's he's dirty and he's wounded. And he's taking all his clothes off, and we get a lot of the anime, like, uh, it's kid Goku, and he's got his dick out all the time. Things like, I guess Japanese people think that is a hoot, even though, like, it just makes me super uncomfortable. Like, yeah. I don't need this much attention drawn to a little boy's coin purse. So, and, uh, the thing about stuff like this is, if you bring up something like that, people always say, like, oh, what, it's just a kid naked, is that, like, is, are you turned on by it, why are you freaked out about it? And no, the issue is, whenever I see that, in my mind, I'm thinking, somebody somewhere is jerking off to this. Yes, And exactly. that creeps me out. Exactly. Like, this is, you're drawing attention to this a little too much? And it makes me question what your motives are. But especially in these episodes when he's getting undressed and he's like writhing and clawing all over this woman who is in like a sort of silk nightgown that's falling off of her breasts. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, this is very oh, wait, much slow, like the gag down. here is, haha, he's like actually an adult and he's with a sexy lady, but like he's also in a naked kid's body. So there, it's just super fucking uncomfortable. I do think it's kind of funny where at one point he's like, oh, I feel like I should be enjoying this, but I don't know why. <laughs> ah! And that was kind of funny. But Oh! Yeah, so like, 
to go back to the Dragon Ball example of that, like it never really bothered, honestly, like never really bothered me all that much in Dragon Ball because it wasn't sort of like there wasn't a sexual undertone to it. It was Goku is real fucking simple and he just doesn't know any better. And that's his character. Yeah, like he's never uh, seen a girl before, so he can't figure out why they don't have junk. Yeah, it is played up as a gag. And this is a gag too, but there is still a very prominent sexual underpinning to the whole thing that, as you described, just makes it seem like straight Shota. And fuck that. Okay. Ugh. It's gross. I'm going to tag this episode as straight Shota just to see if we can get any traffic from it. Shit. Let's attract all the real pervs. Uh, yeah, no, make them known. Uh-huh. Please subscribe to us on, uh, what is it, Pod Bay? Pod Podbean. Barn? Uh, well, that's one thing. You just use iTunes, though. So. Subscribe okay. to us on sumino.com, uh, or faku.com, I guess, if you're a chump. <laughs> Oh, God. Subscribe yeah, to us you're... at avc.tv Anyway Yeah, we're uh, on Jezebel <laughs> No No, not AV Club a- Like A-V-S-E-E oh, no, TV. I know, I know. But Shut it, up It reminded me of It reminded me of AV Club Um AV Club will be dead soon Don't date this <laughs> podcast Oh, my bad Yeah, so that that whole thing happens with like Kid Polnareff is sort of like clawing and pawing all over this lady, and then suddenly she's not there anymore, and in her place is Alessi standing over this naked child Polnareff in a manner that could really not be more creepy. Huh? Alessi already a creep. Alessi getting creepier by the minute. Is that the end? That's the end of the episode. Oh, good. We're almost done. Uh, Manga anime differences An entire scene featuring a recap of the Mariah battle is added Along with Iggy stealing a falafel Oh right, that that is a really great That is a really awesome bit where Iggy kind of wanders off uh, From the group and he just sort of sees The final bit of Joseph and Avdol fighting Mariah And he just leaves Yeah, he just turns around and leaves But there's, there's an awesome part of that where it's like Shown the, from the perspective of everybody else where you wouldn't actually see the stands. And uh-huh. so it's just them covered in shit and yelling at her and like wires flying around in the air, but you don't see any of the stands. Yep. Oh, God. The audio mixing is great in that too because it's like it makes it sound like it's further off. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really love that. That was great. I just appreciate all the extra Iggy content. Yeah, anyway. me too. Even though he's not like you know doing anything, uh, he will uh, next week. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. Oh, a couple weeks. Um. Okay. Suda says, when Polnareff pursues Alessi through the alleys, he's shrinking little by little. The scene is similar to episode one, where Holly runs across the prison to go see her son. It's a mix of 3D effects and drawing, which is very difficult to pull off. Even more so because you have to change the animation as Polnareff becomes tinier. It was a real ordeal for the whole team. If there's something unforgettable in the episode, it would be the sexy bath scene. 
on one side, the humor of Polnareff, who is a child again, and then the light, lightly risque touches while never falling into vulgarity. What? I don't... Uh... I disagree, Suda. <laughs> Suda, I respectfully disagree with your assessment of this episode. There's also these soap bubbles floating in the bathroom, which I'm sure some of you will feel you've seen them somewhere before. I won't tell you where. Ha ha ha. I think it was underwater in the, the Empress part. Yeah. Uh, the scene where Iggy is peacefully strolling across town was added in the anime. He steals a kebab directly from a passerby's hands and watches the fight between Joseph and Avdol against Mariah without batting an eyelid. He's doing whatever he feels like. As I have said about episode 31, it's this kind of scene that represents the timeline more clearly. Iggy doing whatever he feels like. what happened in this episode and was like, yeah, I'm leaving now. (laughs) Yeah. Go get some gum. (sighs) Episode 33, this is it, we're almost done. You can do it. What the fuck is happening in Japan? Like now? When this episode was made, oh, what I don't was know. going through people's minds? What was a rock? What movie did a rocky watch? Oh, uh, the big, but he watched it all backwards. <laughs> I don't know. And he had a boner during it. Oh no! <laughs> like what? I mean, if you remember, Big does have that part where, like, he has sex with the girl while he's an adult. Oh, man, Curious Case of Benjamin Button gives me rock hard. <laughs> I mean, me too, but the parts where he's, it's just Brad Pitt. <laughs> uh, no, the correct answer is Eraserhead. Uh, but uh... we will get to that. Uh, so yeah, uh, Alessi is in the bathroom because uh, things could not be worse right now, uh, and he's sinking his axe into Polnareff's wrist through Chariot. Uh, and so while Chariot is pinned, he takes Polnareff and he uh, and he dunks him into the bathtub and starts to drown him. Yeah. And so Polnareff shits in the tub to freak Alessi out. <laughs> I was so, yeah, kind of thankful can... that the uh, broadcast version blacks out the poop because oh, no, it makes I'm, a huge I'm, difference. I'm, I'm back to non-broadcast in these episodes, which is uh, that's such a weird thing to change, though. Like it's just changing from brown to black. It's still like oh, it does. And, oh, it doesn't change anything. Never mind. I guess maybe I wasn't broadcast because it wasn't. Never mind. I think I, I was probably in broadcast on this one, uh, but. Yeah, he shits in the tub. Uh, boy, I fucking hate this episode. Because uh, there's just a big old log of doo-doo <laughs> floating in the tub. And unless he reacts to it about the way that I would, which is, um, you know, I need, I know I need to kill this guy. This uh, ages-old vampire will fucking murder me if I don't. But uh, there's shit in this tub, so I'm getting out of here. <laughs> yes, this is the part I mentioned where he says something like, uh, a main character wouldn't do something like that. Oh, yeah, no, it's very uncouth of Polnareff to shit in the tub. Not only poops once, he does it twice, because the second log goes directly on Alessi's face, somehow. Uh, yeah. So, 
the reason I wrote a razor head is because when Polnareff is like, I can't remember if he's walking up to Alessia or walking away, but the point is like he's moving around and he almost steps on the uh, nightgown. And Alessia's like, oh, you better not step on that or you will crush her. Uh-huh. Uh, because Alessia Stan can regress somebody in the age, he regressed this woman all the way down to a gross eraser head baby looking fetus. Yep. I actually really like this part. Like, it's good and gross and creepy in a way I like. Not like Baby Dick Polnareff, which is the kind of gross and creepy I do not like. Yeah. So this episode made me feel uncomfortable in so many different ways. And yes, this is the one way it made me feel uncomfortable in a way that was good. Uh Is this is a gross-looking fetus thing. Yeah. That's good good and creepy. Also, the whole concept of regressing so far down into age you become a fetus and just die because you cannot exist outside of the womb is horrifying yeah so it is a very it's again a very good stand power that could otherwise be fantastic it's just done in this wrapping that feels super unsavory uh but he ends up getting chased while holding on to little fetus lady and he locks himself into a room uh from which he has no escape and so he needs to, like, hide somewhere. And he's, like, looking between, like, okay, there's a bucket over here, there's a fish tank, there's a... I forget what the other thing was. There's, like, a clock. Teddy bear. Teddy bear. <laughs> the clock. Okay, whatever. We'll, we'll get to the clock. Uh, but Alessi ends up breaking into... <laughs> Another movie that Rocky might have watched around this time. <laughs> the Shining. Maybe. Yeah, The Shining, yeah. probably. Except instead of saying, here's a lessie or something, he just goes, He just does the cackling thing. Yep. His buzz is like, Which also, like, speaking of little hints of greatness in these two episodes, like, that is appropriately fucking freaky when a does it. Yeah. I do really like that part. So Alessi's in the room, Alessi has an axe, and he figures, okay, well, Polnareff is probably hiding somewhere because I don't see him, so he could be hiding in this bucket. He could be hiding in this teddy bear. He could also be inside this clock! Yes, this tiny clock that is, like, up on a wall. For some reason, that's the first thing he goes to. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, well, he could, he could totally fit under that bucket. He could totally have stuffed himself inside that bear. I could just take an axe to those things, but uh, I was going to fuck this clock up. Also, he thinks that he could fit inside a drawer on this table, and oh, I'm pretty sure he would not be able yeah. to. Yeah, he well, he also attacks the drawer. He attacks everything, it turns out, because Polnareff is not in any of those things. Yeah. Polnareff has actually come up with a remarkably brilliant plan for someone his age, which is hollow out the ball that was in the room, use that as a mask, then take a piece of a uh, mirror and jump into the fish tank. So he disguises his body with the mirror and his head with the ball. Yes, and he has the fetus on top of his hair. Yeah? Yeah. Where else would you keep a fetus? Well, yeah, I mean, it's just that when he's explaining this, it's showing this diagram of how he set everything up, and it goes by pretty quickly. And I just... Yeah. Like the little image of the fetus on top of his hair. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he then stabs Alessi through the nose using chariot, and uh, Alessi is again very freaked out. He does not handle pain very well. 
so he runs away and decides decides to cause himself even more pain by jumping out a window. Yep. Uh, and just happens upon Jotaro, who is still a dumbass and doesn't realize that something is up. Yep. He's just like, huh, weird. Some guy yeah. jumped out a damn window. He has slices all over his face. Eh. Oh, that's bizarre. There's this kid that looks exactly like Ponref, and he's telling me to watch out because this guy's a stand user. How <laughs> peculiar. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Alessi Stan touches Jotaro and shrinks him down to a seven-year-old. Uh, and since Jotaro only recently learned how to use Star Platinum, he would no longer have use with it as a seven-year-old. Because, you know, it didn't manifest until he was damn near an adult. That's fine, because Jotaro is just tough as fuck for a seven-year-old, and he just punches the shit out of Alessi. I actually do like that. Like, that yeah. Alessi's whole thing is that he preys on kids, and then having one that just punches the hell out of him, even though he's just a kid, is pretty good. Yeah, yeah uh, it knocks him out, which causes everybody to return to normal, and they then knock him into the sky, and he's now retired. And yeah. hopefully in a federal penitentiary. Well, no, he's in space floating alongside cars, I think. Because <laughs> well, that's, that's close enough. He blasted off like Team Rocket. Like, my head oh, cannon, that's what it is. He's just floating in space somewhere dead. Yeah, I could get behind that. Uh, so, the woman from before... <sighs> okay, so... So, let's oh. get into this one more time. If, again, your argument is that she's just a, a kind woman who wants to help out this dirty child and wash him up, and that all this stuff that went on is just, ah, ha, ha, it's so funny because he's actually a, an adult and the kid's body is just like Big. Uh, th- there's there's this bit where she sort of remembers everything happening, but she can't discern whether or not it happened for real or it's just a dream. And she comes upon uh, one of Polnareff's earrings, which got knocked out in the fight. And she runs downstairs and outside, and she catches Polnareff and Jotaro before they leave. And she and Polnareff have this moment where they are, like, attracted to each other. Which, bear in mind, Polnareff, this makes a little bit more sense, because she started as an adult. He knew what happened when she became a fetus. He wasn't attracted to the fetus. No. Her, on the other hand... This began with him being a child. No, the point is that when she was a fetus, she has memories of him protecting her from Alessi. Yes, but there's like there's very much this bit there where she seems to have an attraction to him because she recognizes him as that kid who protected her. Yes. It's not yeah. because she's like, oh, you were that sexy kid. No, It's because, no, oh, you're the one that protected me from that guy. But still, that is the thing. To her knowledge, he was just a child. Look, she knows yes, and now she's she finding out, hearing. like, oh, there was something weird going on here. He's uh, actually an adult. I don't know. looking I think for something just, to get mad I about. Think, no, I think this actually does make everything worse. Makes everything more what? Worse. It makes oh. everything worse. She knew he was that child. She's still into it. Just a child. Ugh. I don't know. I'm. This does not seem that weird. I okay. don't know. I thought that this was maybe the weirdest part of this. You were also hypersensitive to all it. that stuff. I uh, yeah yeah. I think it's fucking gross. 
It's a gross couple episodes. Death 13, also gross, but that's just baby fear. Yeah. Baby stand. Baby fear. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, Polnareff's like, nah, that wasn't me, nah, nah you, you got somebody else. And so they leave. And they, the like, whole group like, gets back together. What? It, weird that he would deny that at the same time, I guess, but I, I don't know. Yeah. As, as who knows why Polnareff do the things that Polnareff do? Polnareff do what he want. Yeah. So the whole group so, gets back together. Yeah. They're in a cafe, and Joseph is like, "Bring me my camera, <laughs> cause I'm gonna smash this fucker." And so he gets it, and he makes a new spirit photo because now that they are close enough. It can be uh, much more accurate than it was previously. So then they get a picture of Dio's hideout. Yeah, it looks like a totally nondescript building, though, and that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, but at least they know Oops. what they're looking for. Yeah, at least Dio did one of the two things that would have been smart for Dio to do. Smart thing number one would have been, I don't know, leave Egypt. But he... You know, he has so many ties here. You know, he would have to move all his furniture. All it's those a hassle. dead girls that he's been, like, sinking his... I was going to say sinking his fingers into. That actually, uh, hey, look, that's what he does, but I'm not trying Whoa. to get at something else. Oh, boy. That's how he sucks blood. The show's established that's how he sucks blood. That's how the show establishes it. Don't judge me. <laughs> it's the thing the show did. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I mean, it, it, or his valuable treasures that he just leaves laying around. Got me sucking in the bathroom. It wasn't me. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, manga anime differences for this last horrific episode. Uh, oh, I didn't finish my point. It, what? He could have yeah. either just... Yeah, no, you sit here and you listen to it, buddy. He could have just left I'm Egypt. I'm just going to sit back here. Yeah, no, you take I'll, a seat. I'll listen. You lean back, hike your feet up, get yourself okay. a delicious beverage. Alright, I've got one. I've got right here. I was going to stir the ice Light. up, but the ice is melted now, so I can't. Light a cigarette, but don't show the kids. They can't. They shouldn't look at that. We'll get to that next episode. Uh, yeah, he could have left Egypt, and that would have been like... Stop watching ahead! What? We recorded this way fucking late. I only have so much time to watch ahead before we record again, dude. Four episodes. Doesn't take so, that long. If, if Watched Dio all of these really, last night. If Dio really wanted to fuck with him, the, the thing to do would have been, like, the day before Holly dies, go over to the next town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would suck. Yeah. Uh, but he does the other smart thing, which is basically just, like, Find a totally nondescript building so when you actually get to Cairo, you still can't tell where this dude is because everything looks the same. Sure. So I'm glad Dio like thought this through to some degree. Okay. That's all anime differences. It's in this forever. Added to the scene where the Crusaders have their lunch, and Joseph uses Hermit Purple to take a photo of Dio's mansion. 
The anime adds a scene of Kid Polnareff losing his earring. The anime gives more details about the kid version of Jotaro. The anime adds a scene where Silver Chariot and Star Platinum smile before punching Alessi. In the anime, after Star Platinum and Silver Chariot's dual barrage, Alessi is seen being launched skyward into oblivion. See, it says oblivion right there, so he's totally dead. Oh, no, it's good. It's gonna be uh, attacked by all the... Uh, Daedric... The Daedric guys, you know? Oblivion gates? Am I right? Know what, what I mean? What does Suda have to say about... Have Suda explain himself. Suda says... I mean, I want to hear what Araki has to say about all of this. I want to know his defense. What fucking fashion magazines was he reading when he dreamt this all up in his depraved mind? Put Araki on the stand. Have him <laughs> cross-examined by Phoenix Wright to find out why he did this. <laughs> Suda says... The second part of the fight against Alessi. Yasufumi Sajima is in charge of the storyboard, which guarantees an episode of exceptional quality. Alessi doesn't seem- in charge of the baby dick episode! <laughs> I did it! I'm in the big time now! Honey, check out this check! Ah, will you buy a new house? <laughs> Be we're, the home that Polnareff's dick built. We're buying this with baby dick money. We're making baby dick money. Honey, I'm back. I got baby dick money and I bought you a dog. <laughs> Alessi doesn't seem to think like a fighter. He's more the kind who rushes headfirst into the fray. At least he gives us some great funny faces. That said, his stand itself has a particularly formidable ability. I think it compensates how ridiculous the user can be. Even at... Oh boy. Even as a child, Polnareff manages to be featured with poop again in a scene. He's also walking around with his jewels out. He's really one filthy guy. Ha 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 ha. No, it's the people who made the... Mm. <laughs> like in the manga, there's this homage to The Shining, a psychological horror-style film. But with Alessi's personality, most of the scenes can also be viewed in a funny point of view. It's bad writing. The balance between horror and comedy is truly astounding, and it reminded me how fascinating a medium Jojo can be. At the end, we follow a painful separation between Milena and Polnareff. The earring he's lost will suddenly come back in the next episode. <laughs> Just like, fuck it. We don't have any continuity. He yeah, has a I mean, bunch well, of spares. It's a weird thing to add that's not in the manga, because then it would have, like, yeah, that that would then create a continuity error between the source material and the. I don't know. I don't know. That's a weird, dumb well, thing that they no, added. I feel and like it sounds maybe, like the next episode they realized. That. I feel like in the manga, maybe he did. He still lost his earring, but didn't actually show him losing it. Yeah, maybe that's sure. what it means. I don't remember. Yeah, I'd have to pull it open to the portion of the dick. The portion of the book where all the dick is at. I'm sorry, a little bit of a slip there. <laughs> the no, portion I don't of really the dick. feel like. Yeah, I don't really feel like doing it. Like I already got that volume of Battle Royale where they. Oh boy, that's even worse, honestly. Which one? Uh, the part of Battle Royale where it's uh one of the girls uh because she's underage 
uh, starts her relationship with a grown man without telling him that she is underage. Oh, and right. And later reveals it to blackmail him. Yeah, that the, whole the thing. thing. Yeah, but the, the thing that makes it uh, problematic reading that is the scenes in which they're having sex are straight up drawn like it is a hentai comic. Yeah. Like, it is, it is fucking for the sake of, like, the audience's gratification. Yeah. So, that's worse because like that is wholly on the nose about it uh with this stuff it's like there's there's an argument to be made that it's more innocuous than it's actually presented but uh my sensibilities being what they are uh i mostly just found the whole thing gross yeah also though keep in mind that uh english version of the battle royale manga was heavily rewritten like a lot (laughs) Uh, and also, Age of Consent in Japan is sixteen, I think. So yes, yeah, so that that is part of looking. Well, so I think she's like fifteen in it or something. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't even think I got my battle royale books anymore. Actually, I think like at some point that got lost in a move because I lost like half of my Yu Yu Hakusho books too. Oh no! Which so uh, before we go, funny story about those. Uh, I had a roommate who had a big stack of manga that he did. And he was ultra, ultra, ultra Christian. And so in the Yu Yu Hakusho books, he drew over stuff in pin that he deemed to not be Christianic enough. So, like, use case smoking is, like, crossed out <laughs> and drawn over. And he, like, lewd magazines that use K was looking at just have a bunch of, like, black scratch marks in them. Oh, boy. It's like the opposite of when you went to the library as a kid, you picked up like one of those Garfield books and someone like drew a dick on Garfield <laughs> in every panel. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to change anything in the one where John Dreek's dog semen, though. No. It's just wall-to-wall cock. Oh, okay, man. Okay, that's it for this episode. Uh, we'll see everybody next week. Next episodes will be... 34 through 37, which are Darby the Gambler, part one, through Whole Horse and Boingo, or Mondata, part two. They're yeah, back! It's, uh, it's a team-up of our favorite yeah. guys! Yeah! Doesn't that make up for this horror show? It actually does, uh, like, we are recording this much later in the week. I have seen the Darby episodes, and those alone make up for everything that we have watched. Yes, and I'm telling you, if you like those, you would probably like Kaiji. It's basically that. Mm. Yeah, right. Darby okay. episodes are fantastic. Next time on Stand and Deliver, I'm Larry Davis. What? <laughs> You're... Look, we have to say who Oh, I'm George... I'm George? Uh, yes, I'm George. Uh, hi, I'm George Brummel. This is Stanley Delivered. This is the Podcast Today.